Hello, this is Mr. Galley from GCSE English Revision Pod with a quick message for you. If you want even more English Revision Pod in your ears, you can now subscribe to our premium service, GCSE English Revision Pod Plus, where for the price of just over £2 a month, on top of all the amazing free episodes, which will continue to be free and there for you to use, you can also get a selection of amazing bonus episodes on things like Macbeth, A Christmas Carol, Romeo and Juliet, and all your favourite topics covered in the depth and detail that you are used to. If you are interested in getting even more GCSE English Revision Pod, all you've got to do is click the link at the top of this episode description, where you can subscribe to GCSE. English Revision Pod Plus. Hello and welcome to GCSE English Revision Pod. It's half term for a lot of people, certainly is for us. And um, rather than doing something cool, going away somewhere nice, going on holiday, we are instead sitting down to discuss a Christmas carol by Charles Dickens, Mr. Forster. We are metaphorically chained to our laptops and our microphones. Exactly. And our... These chains we made ourselves in life, we now carry on into our holidays, I suppose is what's happening here. Indeed. So we're looking today at social responsibility in A Christmas Carol. But before yes, we look which at the... is a term that's probably worth defining before we jump into things, isn't yeah. it? What, what does social responsibility mean to you? You've lived the kind of life where you've not really had enough of this, I'd say. Yeah, it's taking responsibility. So, so feeling like you have a connection and and um, a responsibility for others in society. So, looking after people, um, not just ignoring those who are less fortunate, but actually um, believing that society is one big family. Essentially, believing that if you are lucky enough to have more money than you need, that maybe you should give some of that money to people who need it more than you. Right? Yeah. Um, before we look at this question, though, before we look at the extra and discuss our approach, um, a quick reminder of actually um, that the, there is a handout you can download um, in the in the bio of this episode. But also we've, we're changing the handout slightly to try and encourage a more a more form of active revision. Mr. Galley, could you explain? Yeah. Well, we thought about this because our previous handouts have basically taken you through the whole essay, which I think is great. But also we wondered if we were kind of taking away a little bit from your chance to actually do some more active stuff uh, as you were just saying Mr Forster so what we're, what we're going to do and what we're going to try out here is the first paragraph of the essay we're going to give you everything we're going to give you the quotations we've used we're going to give you the analysis and the context the second paragraph we're only going to put the quotations on the handout we're so we'll just, still going we'll to discuss, discuss it them. on the podcast yeah yeah we're going to talk about them like we always do but we will only put the quotations themselves on the handout what that will mean is you can then have a go at writing up that paragraph yourself and finally for the third and final paragraph we're not even going to give you the quotations we're just going to tell you where to look in the text to find them yourself and then write up the again write up the paragraph yourself and what we're actually going to do is we're going to run a little kind of mini competition where you can email us your answers and we will announce the winner on Twitter. Yes? Yeah. So if you want to have a go at writing um, the second or third sections of your essay, um, using the notes on the sheet and obviously using all the discussion in the podcast, we will um, publish um, the best one on, on Twitter and celebrate your fantastic revision efforts. Yeah. And what we're hoping is through doing it like this, we will give, like we said, we'll still give you a load of stuff that's going to be really useful to you, but we're going to combine that with giving you the opportunity to do 
more rather than just reading over it. You'll actually be able to get your teeth into it and produce something. Particularly, so hope... particularly on texts where like Macbeth and A Christmas Carol, where we've actually done quite a few episodes already. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how hard are we expected to work? You know, we can't be we can't be writing up <laughs> these things all the time. You getting know? my little violin out for you. So exactly. let's look at the question. So can you read the question, please, Mr. Kelly? Uh, yeah. So the, we are dealing with an extract from chapter three or stave three, which is when the ghost of Christmas present takes Scrooge to visit the Cratchits and observe their Christmas Day celebrations. And the question goes thus. Starting with this extract, how does Dickens present the theme of social responsibility? Right. So that's that theme we talked about. How does Dickens present the idea that we should all be looking after one another, not just taking care of ourselves? Yeah. And as always with the AQA style of questions, they have two bullet points, one looking at social social responsibility in this extract and one looking in social responsibility in the novel as a whole. And I think this gives you a pretty easy essay structure to follow. The idea of begin by with your thesis statement, obviously setting up your overall argument, then have have a look really closely at the extract before opening up your argument to to wider themes and wider ideas elsewhere in the novel. Exactly right. So we're going to jump straight into our thesis statement right so this is yeah. essentially an introduction to our essay but we like to call it a thesis statement because we're not just introducing a topic we are really setting out our argument and what it will set out yeah. to prove so what we've said and, and we said oh i mean just as, on that note because i always bang on about this just as we've said many many times this i think is the most important part of your essay showing that actually you have a personal response to the text you're not simply describing um uh the text and telling the story you're doing a little bit more so do you want to read exactly. your thesis? Let's go. Sorry, I was, I was having a sip of water just at the moment you handed to me. Then that was incredibly unprofessional. But our thesis statement goes as this. Dickens' A Christmas Carol explores the change in the protagonist Scrooge as he comes to understand the consequences of the cruel life he has led and the importance of looking after one's fellow humans, of accepting social responsibility. Throughout the novella, Dickens explores how the impact of not taking social responsibility is to see the weakest and most vulnerable among us suffer, a sin for which he suggests we will be damned for all eternity. However, he does also show that if we can learn to take responsibility for those around us, there is hope for a much better future. So essentially what we're saying there is we're going to focus our essay at the start on what happens if you don't take responsibility on both the impact on people around you and also the impact on yourself, then we're going to conclude the essay by saying, but actually there is a hopeful message. And Dickens also shows us what can happen if you do take that social responsibility. And there's two threads that we're following within all of those as well. The first is around the impact on others in society, but also the second is on the importance of taking responsibility for actually the impact that it has on yourself. Um, Completely. We'll talk, we'll talk so, about both of these threads as we go through. So where yeah, do we start? I, I think it's going to develop quite nicely. So obviously the extract we've got, which you'll see if you download the handout, is when uh, the ghost is showing them the Cratchit's Christmas Day and the ghost of Christmas present is highlighting for Scrooge that Tiny Tim will not be there this time next year unless these shadows are changed. So what I've said for the first paragraph is, starting with the extract, Dickens shows us how if we don't take social responsibility, then it is the innocent people who suffer. It is those in society who do not deserve to suffer who end up suffering. Yeah. So do you want to take us through a little bit of the AO2 then? So let's zoom in close text, you know, I think, because again, one of the weaknesses students often have in essays is they simply tell us what's happening without really getting to grips with the how. How does Dickens portray this idea through his language? 
Yeah, and the why, of course, is crucial as well. So if we look at this, and the first thing I've pulled out is you've got this nice triadic structure where Bob loved the child, wished to keep him by his side, and dreaded he might be taken from him. Now, I thought there's a couple of interesting words that Dickens has used here, because first of all, the idea that Bob wished to keep the child by his side. Now, for me, the word wish suggests things that you don't have any control over, right? Wish implies you really want this thing to happen, but it may be impossible or it may be beyond your control. So I thought that was particularly powerful as you you then get this idea that Bob is not in a position to ensure that his own child survives. And part of that is Scrooge's fault, right? How might we, Mr. Forster, consider that it is Scrooge's fault that Bob is not in a position to keep his child alive? Well, we've seen that Scrooge, of course, from the the opening, he's the one that pays um, Bob his his wages. So I think what we're showing here is is that the need for social responsibility, the sense that actually for those in poverty, um, their fate is beyond their own control. They are left um, wishing and dreading um, and reliant on those like Scrooge for help. Well, that's the second term we came to was this idea of dreading, right? Because dread, incredibly emotive verb, right? Dread, I think, is something that sits in your gut. You know that horrible feeling when something is coming, something unpleasant, something... You don't always know what it is, to be fair, but the idea... Sorry, what was that, sir? A sense of inevitability. Yeah, that you cannot prevent this bad thing coming your way. And I think what we see then is that the impact is not just on those... If we don't take social responsibility, it's not just those who die. It is, of course, those they leave behind, you know. And in this case, the death of Tiny Tim doesn't just affect Tiny Tim himself, but will rip the heart out of this family. Yes. Um, and this brings us quite nicely onto the, the second, um, the, the, the way in which the, the ghost echoes Scrooge's own words. Scrooge yeah, there's a really nice structural point to be yeah. made here, isn't Scrooge there? Scrooge has, has an emotional response to this, actually, which is already showing us that the ghosts have acted as a catalyst for his change. They are starting to change his, his sense of himself, get ridding, getting rid of his selfish ideas and making him recognize the need for social responsibility um and this is when the the ghost he, he echoes scrooge's words he says if he be like to die he had better do it and decrease the surplus population so it's an incredibly it's something that scrooge said earlier when the two charity workers came to ask him for money at the start of the novella and when we were learning about just how cruel he was and what scrooge was essentially saying was well if there, there's too many people anyway so if some of them are going to die Good riddance. Let's bring down the surplus in the population. Yeah, in terms now, of what, why that's sorry, yeah. go on. There you go. Well, why that's incredibly powerful is this idea of the word surplus. So the word surplus is a word that we would not normally associate with human beings at all. We would associate with business. Yeah, right? it's, a, it means, it's a metaphor. It's an economic metaphor. Yeah, and it means more than you need, right? You know, the the idea that you've got more of something than you need. So it's particularly interesting that Scrooge uses a word that we associate with the world of business as a metaphor for people but what happens now when the ghost echoes Scrooge's words back at him what Scrooge comes to understand is the human consequence of his words and what we're seeing here is that the initially he wasn't willing to take social responsibility and now Scrooge is seeing the human impact of those words and like I said at the beginning through the ghost echoing his own words back to him he's now coming to understand the human consequences of not taking social responsibility do you think that's fair 
Yeah, and there's a nice kind of wider point here we could make about Dickens' own didactic message. So a didactic message is something that teaches you something, and I'll play, put it on the handout. But the idea in Scrooge hearing his own views and reflecting on the need for social responsibility is perhaps echoed structurally in the novella as a whole, which would have echoed some of the views of contemporary Victorian readers about things like the poor law, whereby those who were um, in kind of less economically successful positions would, would be forced to work in workhouses, perhaps by reflecting these views, by, by using Scrooge as a mouthpiece for these views, the, the Victorian readers might, might dwell upon their own attitudes. Yeah, absolutely. And again, if, you, if you've studied an inspector calls, you will be familiar with that term didactic as well. This idea that the writer is essentially setting out to change our beliefs or opinions. That brings us on nicely to the last bit of the extract I would look at, which is when the ghost quite emotionally proclaims this metaphor to describe what he believes Scrooge is sort of saying. And he says, oh, God, to hear the insect on the leaf pronouncing on the too much life among his hungry brothers in the dust. Now, I think there's a few interesting words in this metaphor. First of all, the leaf. Now, the insect on the leaf, right? We imagine like a little ant or a beetle sat on the leaf. And in this case, of course, the leaf is a metaphor for Scrooge's privilege. The fact that he is raised on the leaf represents his position in society, the idea that he's got money. He could have comfort if he chose to spend his money on it, but essentially he can afford food to live and a roof over his head and all this kind of stuff. And he's looking down from his leaf and he's saying, there's too much life among my hungry brothers in the dust. There's too, look at those people starving down there. There's too many of them. And the ghost is shocked and appalled by this. And he's, I think a key word here is brothers, because what does the word brothers imply? Well, it connotes a fraternal relationship, a relationship that is more, that, that, that is a, a bond that's family. Yeah. So when the ghost looks at Scrooge, Scrooge, who sees himself as different to these other poor people, the ghost doesn't see that. He sees that Scrooge is actually one of these people. They are all part of the same thing. And therefore, he should be extending help and love to his brothers in the dust rather than looking down and saying, oh, look, there's too many of them. Hopefully some of them die soon. So I think that brings us on from the extract, right? And we can now look at the second point in the novella. So as I said at the start, we're going to do this a little bit differently. We have given you a topic sentence. We are going to tell you how we would use the quotations that we've put on the handout. But unlike with paragraph one, we haven't actually written out how we would say it. So that's going to be your job. You can have add, a go. Add to your handout. As you listen or once you get home, print out the handout and then make your own reflections and add it to your revision notes. Because obviously yeah. lots of the research shows that the best revision um, is active revision. Listening to something, taking on some new information and then actually responding to it actively, putting things into your own words. Yeah, this is very upsetting, really, that when students spend an hour or two hours revising and, you know, giving up their time to do the right thing. And then they end up doing a kind of revision which is really non-productive. It's such a shame to not get the most out of that time. But anyway, let's look at um, let's look at paragraph two. We're going to say at the beginning of the novella, through the presentation of Marley's ghost, Dickens shows us that if you don't take responsibility, you will be punished for all eternity. So, so yeah, this is the second half, the second strand. So the first paragraph we looked at the effect of not taking social responsibility on those who are vulnerable. Now we're looking actually on the fact that it also has an effect on yourself. 
Absolutely. And Marley is the perfect representation of this because obviously Marley has died. He has passed over into the spirit world and is now being punished. Unlike Scrooge, for whom it is not too late, for Marley, he's already made his decisions and is now living the punishment. And we've given you some quotations to work with here. Marley describes early on in the afterlife, he has no rest, no peace, incessant torture of remorse. So obviously you've got the repetition of the word no and also the adjective incessant here, which all imply that Marley's suffering is never ending, that it goes on forever and ever, that he has not a minute's peace from the suffering, right? Yeah, and the, and the metaphorical idea of remorse, that is um, feeling sorry for something as a torture, as a physical pain, evokes not only connotations of the suffering that for a Christian readership you may have in hell, are you not to show kind of care towards your fellow human beings? But also, I think it implies that the pain is that, that you cause is not simply to others in neglecting them. The pain actually you cause is also to yourself. Yeah, I think that's, and that is more... And because humans are selfish animals at the end of the day, aren't they? You know, we, um, we, we, all, we all try and be altruistic and we try and think about others and all that kind of stuff. But I think Dickens was aware that the, the strongest um, urges in your, in your human psyche are the selfish ones. You know, the, the desire to survive yourself, the, the, all these kind of things are stronger in you. And, and that's OK, perhaps. But what Dickens is appealing to is this idea that it's not just for other people you're doing it for it's, yeah um it's yourself as well and this, this is, is a also sorry well this is also clear in the metaphor of the chain isn't it when marley talks about wearing the chain he forged in life he made it link by link yard by yard so you've got that nice repetition there that suggests that marley didn't just make one bad decision that's damned him and put him in hell but link by link, yard by yard, he's made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. He has built this chain up over a long period of time. He girded it of my own free will and of my own free will I wore it. So he brought himself to this point by his own decisions. And obviously through the repetition in that line, I think Dickens is wanting his readers to consider what are the decisions that they're making? How might they be adding to their chain link by link? And equally, how might they undo it? Yeah, and I think um, um, kind of building on that even further, the idea that the, 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 the chain is something that's, that's, that he's bound with, he's double ironed, it's, it's suggesting that, these, these, that if you don't take on a social responsibility, um, it's something that you'll be unable to escape. It's something that will tie you down. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the chain, the metaphor of the chain works in so many ways, doesn't it? And I mean, it, it, it's also physically hurting Marley. You know, it held up its chain at arm's length as if that were the cause of all its unveiling grief. You know, again, language that suggests that this is never ending, that there is no escape from this. We also got this idea that he says to Scrooge, this is where you're headed. You cannot hope to shun the path. Shun is to sort of turn away from, to ignore unless he listens to the spirits that are going to come. So the warning being that, well, very, very clearly Marley states, if you don't take social responsibility, this is where you're heading, this world of punishment and pain and the world where the punishment and the pain never end. I think that's echoed then at the end of the stave where um, then Scrooge sees a numerous ghosts who are all chained hither and thither in restless haste in an image that's evocative of 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 for example, Dante's vision of hell in the Inferno. It's 
Um, it's, mm. it's, it's a, a vision. It is the vision of hell that he's seeing is crucially. Did you do a Did you do a funny little pronunciation on it? I did because it's then. Italian. Um, How did you say? We're it? not going to go with that. So that's that's the kind of quality you get on this uh, on this podcast, listeners. You get you don't just get Dante's Inferno. You get genuine Italian pronunciation. I think that's why people are still tuning in after all this time for that. Kind of I'm not appreciating you mocking me. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying it's good I'm saying you're bringing an awful lot of it's class it's normally me mocking your accent so I feel that it's probably yeah. my comeuppance um, <laughs> yeah I think you've, you've had it come in to be fair but anyway yeah another nice contextual point they can, uh, well, they can talk about here is, is that um, it's a vision of hell but it's a hell that's specifically located in not taking responsibility for others that's the thing that links all of these yes. suffering ghosts together and also the nice idea that some of the ghosts are chained together is evocative of the idea of, you know, things like the poor law, where obviously the poor law was not made by one person. It was made by, you know, a, a committee of people. It was made by government. So also it's this idea that people are all in bed together. You know, all this, the business is linked to government, is all linked to profit and all this kind of stuff that the ghosts who in life made their kind of dodgy deals and things that benefited themselves are now chained together in the afterlife is a really you and I, I mean, you could write a whole essay chained together that. anyway we're looking at the time we do need to get on to the third section of our essay so the final yes. section we're thinking of looking at how furthermore towards the end of the novella we see how social responsibility has the power to transform you into a better person so as we said with the new format of the handout we've we're not going to give you any quotations for this one but we have given you four bullet points to help you find um the kind of stuff you need okay so we'll just run through those quickly and as we said if you want to write up this paragraph yourselves and send them to our email address which we will give you at the end we in fact we should probably give it now shouldn't yeah. we so that's english revision oh what is our email again english revision english revision pod at gmail that's the one that's the one yeah send us. so english revision pod at gmail.com send us through your second and third paragraphs and like I said, we will pick a winner on Twitter. Um, but yeah, things you can look for. Fire and heat have been important motifs. That means kind of continued images throughout the novella. Can you find examples of this that relate to Scrooge in stage five? Stage. And talk about why these, uh, stage five, sorry, and talk about why these are significant. So you're looking for perhaps a change and a link to fire or heat that might really help so, you. Crucially to build on that, it's the idea that, you know, early on um, in stave one, Scrooge's avarice and his greed is described through the metaphorical idea of him being cold. He carried his low temperature around with him. Yes, um, exactly. Dog days. Now look for imagery of heat and what that implies metaphorically about his transformation. Furthermore, another thing you could look for, there is a very, very famous simile used to describe Scrooge when we first meet him. Something to do with something that lives under the sea. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Can you find a list of similes in Stave 5 that he now uses to describe himself? And you might think about the comparison between those two similes. So what does the, the difference between the simile Dickens used at the start of the novella and the similes that Scrooge uses to describe himself at the end of the novella, what do they suggest about his taking social responsibility? Yeah. And, and, for, and the last few points? Well, so throughout the novella, a bit of an obvious one, but Scrooge has obviously been the antithesis of Christmas. He's been everything 
the opposite of Christmas, right? He's been the kind of like the anti-Christmas. Can you now find some quotations in Stave 5 to show how he's become a part of Christmas? And last but not least, does Tiny Tim die? And what does this mean? How can we relate this to society as a whole? Bring all of that back to social responsibility and you will have a very, very nice final paragraph, yeah. final big paragraph. And what, what I'd really be looking at there is kind of how, how Tiny Tim comes to encapsulate Dickens's didactic message, how actually the, he becomes this, this metaphor, this symbol of those who are vulnerable in society that actually people like Scrooge could change by accepting their role, their place, their 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 responsibility for others less fortunate than themselves. Becoming father figures to them. There you go. We said we weren't going to give you any quotations, but I've, I've slipped one in there. Cool. So hopefully uh, Ooh, that will conclusion. give you plenty to go on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go and talk about I, the conclusion. I mean, obviously, the most important function of a conclusion is not to repeat things you've already said. I hate conclusions where people that just list things they've done. I focus, try and really zoom out and think about Dickens's overall message. What's he saying about the importance of social responsibility? Is it still relevant today? How does this link to our context? Because I mean, we mentioned this in a few of our other podcasts on A Christmas Carol, but there is perhaps an irony in Dickens's messages about social responsibility, which is although he clearly wants individuals to take on more social responsibility, to care for their fellow um, human beings, crucially unlike more revolutionary writers like Friedrich Engels or Karl Marx who I've mentioned in the context on the sheet actually um, he his, his message is ultimately quite socially conservative he isn't arguing for a new form of government for higher taxes and the redistribution of wealth to the poor he's simply arguing for, for charity at Christmas so so That's ultimately so although the message is clearly about taking on social responsibility we should be careful about seeing dickens as a revolutionary writer or as a writer who is extreme in his ideas actually um ultimately his message is perhaps not as um as revolutionary as, as it might initially seem mm, interesting now we've got a few seconds left to come in under 25 minutes so we'll we'll just say you can, of course, follow us on Twitter at GRevisionPod. You can find all our podcasts and resources at EnglishRevisionPod.co.uk. And we, I think we're about done. Would you agree? Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you next time on GCSE English Revision Pod.